Well, hello, hello. Welcome to the Elsa Kurt Show. I am Elsa Kurt, and we have a really incredible episode for you today. We're going to be talking to retired Major Fred Galvin about his new book coming out on June 7th. It is A Few Bad Men. And the story is incredible. I, I think it's going to have you um, as emotional as it had me. So, Fred, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. It's great to be here, Elsa. Yeah, I um so I found you. I shouldn't say I found you. Somebody uh told me about you yesterday. Somebody reached out to me on social media and said, you have to see if you can get Fred Galvin on your show. His story is amazing. He has uh, this book coming out, and it's one of the most compelling stories you'll probably read in a in a really long time. Let's start at the beginning. I, I want to kind of go back and tell me a little bit about your background um, before you became a Marine. Okay. Well, I was raised in mid-America and joined the Marine Corps right after graduating high school at 17. The, um, so that was a desire I wanted to do since I was about 10 years old. And we, Our family went to some of these revolutionary and Civil War battlefields, and I saw those types of sacrifices. Didn't have a family member served, but I thought this is just unbelievable. Uh, the type of sacrifices that these Americans made and uh, for, for to fighting so that we could have our own nation and that we could agree on these principles in our constitution, right? To worship, right? To speak and vote and have the press. And uh, I know some of those are under attack right now, however, uh, that created a desire in my heart. Uh, and a week after high school, I went to San Diego, went to boot camp, uh, deployed with the Marines to Desert Storm. And then um, then after that, I went to college. That was my family's desire. You need to go to college. And uh, I did, and I became a stockbroker for two years afterwards, and then re-entered the Marine Corps as an officer. And then uh, that led on to some of the events in this story. Uh, and the story has a chronicle of many things, combat in Iraq, Afghanistan, the formation of the Marine Special Operations, and uh, some things that some readers know, uh, and some things that they don't, that uh, the Marine Corps really resisted getting into Special Operations, but then it talks about our, our combat action, specifically with our task force in Afghanistan, as well as the the false accusations, the war crime trial, and the aftermath. That courtroom drama really is akin to the other movie, A Few, a few Good Men, except uh, this was, you know, a few, a few Good Men was a true story as well. This is a true story. It was the longest trial in Marine Corps history, and it really had no business being classified, which they did, and they continually moved the media out of the courtroom during all of our defense you know, hearing. So although the jury heard what was going on, the press only heard one side of the story. That's what we call un-American. It's called censure and has no place in the United States. Uh, so very, I've, I've written several articles in the m media, but this book, A Few a few Bad Men, has the declassified. It took me 11 years 
to get it from the Special Operations Command and the Marine Corps to release uh, the information. They still haven't given me everything. And uh, over a gun battle, this was not Jason Bourne's knock list or the locations of submarines at sea. This was a gunfight in Afghanistan uh, that they, since certain people rushed to judgment and they went into a courtroom and certain senior officers testified, sworn statements, uh, they wanted to protect them and they did until this, uh, we, we fought twice and won to get everything declassified. And now it's uh, put into this book and it's not, when you go into court in the courtroom scenes in here, there's no opinion, no thoughts on how I felt. Um, it's honestly just quotes of exactly what those people said under sworn testimony. So uh, and I think your readers are, will- like, And which ended up being lies, correct? I, most of what they said were lies from these senior officials, I should say. Yes, absolutely. And obviously there was incentives from the, the Afghans when you offer them, you know, the average of four years salary. I mean, if you, if you told people in America, I'll give you four year salary over a quarter million dollars, no proof is required, just fill out a form down at uh, your city legislature's office, well, of course, there'd be lines of people when you incentivize it like that. But the American military leaders also had incentives. Uh, the Marine Corps had tried a, an experiment back in World War II with the Marine Raiders that the comment on the Marine Corps, after two years of Raiders fighting, said is not in the best interest of the Marine Corps to have an elite with an elite, disbanded the Raiders, and they went on to serve in the infantry other battles such as Okinawa, but uh, the Marine Corps always resisted in 1987 when they stood up the Special Operations Command. They did not participate in 2001 when Donald Rumsfeld, after 9-11, said, I want increased capacity from all services. Well, the Green Berets and the Navy SEALs were happy to say, okay, that means more money and more manpower. They jumped on board, but the Marine Corps resisted until Bush Jr., number 43, got reelected and then kept uh, Donald Rumsfeld as his uh, Secretary of Defense, and he ordered this uh, Marine Special Operations Command to be activated in 2006, and we were the first task force to deploy, but the Marine Corps nor the Special Operations Command wanted any part of this. So, what is uh, that, Fred? Why, why did they resist, resist that so much? Uh, two reasons, one from the Marine Corps, so the Marine Corps essentially is um, realized that, hey, we are all elite. And just like they said in World War II, you know, when you make a certain unit, sort of like the story of Joseph in the Bible, when there's a favored son, uh, that makes everyone else undignified, makes everyone else less. Uh, the Marine Corps, I love the Marine Corps. Even after 27 years, I left the Marine Corps and you know, as of two weeks ago, I, I finished four years serving uh, as a civilian in the Marine Corps and in the Department of Defense. Uh, so I love it, but it's a very proud organization and it has a lot of traditions. And when uh, you make someone separate that is considered special, it's a slap in the face to everyone else. So the Marine Corps didn't want any part of that and tried at first opportunity to disband it. First, they tried to control it. They said, if Rumsfeld's gonna have us do this, 
we're going to keep them with us on the ships. That's how we started out. We deployed on the ships and then uh, others higher in the food chain and the Department of Defense had other thoughts and pulled us off the ships. But the Special Operations Command also saw us as a separate type of threat, as a, you know, another mouth to feed, uh, have to cut the cake a different, a different way for these guys. And it's also competition. You know, we were, you know, we were the mistress coming into the house with the missus there. And, you know, that didn't go over so good with the Green Braves, the Navy SEALs. It's, it's competition. Like, hey, these, these guys aren't all just going to take money uh, and other resources. They're going to take over the missions. I mean, this isn't like the Air Force getting into the mix. This is the Marines. And they're serious. And they, they know they have doctrine. They're sound. They're aggressive. So we weren't wanted. If you consider Donald Rumsfeld as the godfather and uh, this arranged marriage that occurred between the Special Operations Command and the United States Marine Corps, we were, our task force was the first one to deploy. So we were essentially the love child that uh, was brought about that neither parent truly wanted at all. And the first opportunity, and the Afghans uh, conducted this ambush on us, and then there was rioting, there was information going out and the immediately 20 minutes after the ambush on us where we were blown up and shot we returned fire we killed the jihadists that were shooting at us there was 20 minutes later the first report came out in the bbc on the radio saying that innocent civilians had been killed and then that led to a flurry of other international media it led to rioting it led to the governor of uh, nangahar province and later the president of Afghanistan, Hamid Karzai, publicly condemning what we did. And that was the, the easy knee jerk by our Marine and uh, Army generals was to kick us out. Uh, that didn't take much. They had an investigator come out. He interviewed the first two teams, no Afghans, just the first two teams, Americans, and then launched us. Uh, so there was an extreme rush to judgment. And you've seen some of these cases, once they make a, a decision by general officers, and they act on that, there's no going back. So after that point, the 45 criminal investigators and the four prosecuting attorneys that were coming after the seven of us, they had to find a reason to justify what the convening authority's decision was in, in kicking us out of there. And what's in this book, it really, don't read it at night before you go to bed. It really makes you sick. It's a nonfiction story of how they threatened one, one of these Marines his crime was he legally immigrated to the United States, legally joined the Marine Corps, went in and uh, was a member of Second Force Reconnaissance. And then we pulled him over into uh, Marine Special Operations Command. He was in the lead echelon that got blown up by point blank range. And they threatened to deport his mother back to Mexico unless he signed their pre-made statement, which he, again, there's no reason to classify any of this, but they knew this defense witness, this young sergeant had, you know, testimony that was radioactive. So what'd they do? They said, we're going to classified session and they escort all the media out. So the jury heard all this. It's in this book, his, his uh, sworn testimony. And, you know, for a few, and this is not a hate thing against the Marine Corps, but this is about a few bad men that abuse their authority. When it, when power like this goes unchecked, just like our founding fathers realized what was going on in the 
United Kingdom that, uh, you know, our, when you have the crown imposing their edicts, you know, that, you know, we had no representation over here. And that's exactly what happened in this courtroom. It's un-American. And uh, here for the first time, after fighting for 11 years to get everything released through the Freedom of Information Act, it's all in one location uh, in this book. And uh, again, it is, is very disturbing that this, that American Marine commandos went forward, deployed, fought our way out of an ambush, uh, which is expected that the enemy will fight us. It's expected that the enemy is going to use, you know, information warfare against us, but it's not expected, nor is it legal or moral to have American military commanders use psychological operations against their own troops, against the American people doing this shell game of, you know, trying to confuse the American people by escorting the media out so that nobody hears what's really said. That is, th that violates, you know, the freedom of the press, you know, the, in just trying to classify it. Security classification guide prohibits classifying something for the purpose of saving someone from embarrassment. Uh, but uh, you, you look at the men on the cover, you're like, oh, and I think most people realize there's, there's an odor. There's been things that have been said about, you know, these few bad men and here it just lays it out with incontrovertible evidence of what happened. You know, it's so incredible to me that any of this happened and, and I'm such an outsider to it, of course, and, and I'm listening with, you know, just shock disbelief. I can only imagine what you had to be and, and your men had to be experiencing in that time. You know, we're talking about brave men who, you know, go to serve their country, to serve something greater than themselves. And with that conviction and that call to duty and all of those things, and your own leaders from your own country are betraying you. And, it, you know, and of course it, it goes to court and the level of disbelief. I mean, you had to have been in absolute shock that this was happening to you. Yes. And that's what it was. The, the Marine Corps does an outstanding job at training Marines to fight in combat, at training Marines to be resilient. And even when someone is wounded, you know, how to recover from that and if possible, reintegrate into the force. And, uh, you know, that's what we champion, you know, these, these people with undying ability to fight through something. Uh, unfortunately, there's no course in the Marine Corps that's taught to young officers or enlisted Marines or anywhere throughout their careers on, hey, when you are involved in something that isn't uh, what the way, the direction that the Marine Corps wants to go and you're, what happened to you was, you know, you were, you were assigned to do a mission and you were doing it to the very best of your ability. I mean, I was an infantry officer that went into force reconnaissance, spent over six years as a force recon platoon commander, a good chunk of that in combat in Iraq. And then they stood up the Marine Special Operations Command, right? When I was promoted to major, they selected me to lead this task force. And, you know, the Marine Corps didn't want it. Um, and we deployed, I'm not crying in my beer here. I'm just saying I was doing very naively what I was told to do. Right. I had no idea that, of the politics and then the larger, you know, geopolitical politics that, okay, in 2007 and into 2008, we were going into, you know, a presidential election cycle and 
what was going on in Iraq, where we had fought on several other deployments in Force Recon, you know, they had this surge. And many on one side of the political aisle were saying, look, you know, they're sending in a lot of military were being killed and wounded. And it was really a, a hot mess in Iraq. And then we were used as pawns that now in Afghanistan, you hadn't heard about this for several years, but now these Marines are killing civilians. And so we literally were used as pawns in the media by, you know, people on the political side. That's why a lot of people didn't want to touch this case because they knew the facts and they knew it wasn't going to come out pretty. Uh, but we did fight, not just in the courtroom, but, um, and we won, we were exonerated. I went back after this was over, we served seven more years until I reached service limitations. And then the day I got out, <clears throat> the day I retired, the press slammed me on the day that I retired, did another hit and run on the Marine Corps High Holy Day that same year, the Marine Corps birthday on 10 November, stating that, you know, we killed 19 Afghans. And uh, that's when I started to fight back and uh, get this word out that, no, that is not what the court came up with. Uh, then I, I continued to fight again and again to get this information declassified, which they'd let out a little bit drip, drip here and there uh, until it's all out in one place. And when you read this, and also here's a little teaser for the book, A Few Bad Men is, some people may think I'm crazy. So I did go back to Afghanistan as soon as, as soon as I could, as soon as we were exonerated, I went and deployed overseas, stationed over in Okinawa. And from there I deployed as the operations officer with 3rd Recon Battalion back to Afghanistan. And there was another situation that happened there. I'll give a little tease where the battalion commander didn't, uh, he was, he decided on his own to, he's going to drop these bombs prohibited. You can't drop with 180 meters. He drops it 34 meters away on his own guys, um, uh, drops it on a, a former enemy position that our Marines were in that threat ring where that energy of a 500 pound bomb and then launches two surface fired 675 pound rockets. Uh, again, impacting in the, within that blast radius of our Marines you can't drop within 180 meters for those either. Uh, and what happened there, I stood up to him. And so they sent me to another trial and uh, that's in the book too. And uh, as acquitted of that, the interaction in the courtroom, the drama, what these bad men said on the record. Uh, here's another little tease. You know, this officer that did this, this battalion commander said, I am willing to sacrifice the lives of these Marines. And Fred, I need to make sure you will too. It's just the, I mean, the Marine Corps is an awesome organization. Any organization that's founded in a bar where the owner of that bar recruits young Marines to fight and overthrow the most powerful government at the time, uh, Great Britain, that's, a, that's an awesome organization. And it's fought and acquitted ourselves in all these fights uh, for over 240 years. Just amazing. But we have to hold people accountable when even senior leaders, no one is inerrant. And this, this story shows you know, some serious issues that we have. And if we lost a war after 20 years, and you know we're not being honest about it. everybody you know on the department of defense side is trying to paint this rosy picture of what happened last august in the withdrawal from afghanistan 
let's not kid ourselves saying, oh, now we're prepared, we're ready to fight the Chinese. Uh, you know, the Afghans didn't have aircraft carriers and satellites and drones and fifth generation fighters like the Chinese do. So the, we have a problem with our military leaders when they're not being honest with us, when they are building forces that are not effective because of you know, some of their own policies. So this right. uncovers these truths and it's, it's important that your readers understand what's going on in the epilogue. I talk about how this can be resolved through a, a different promotion system uh, that has input from just like in the corporate, many in the corporate world with 360. So it's not just if you kiss the butts of your two higher bosses, uh, it really needs to be input from, from your peers, from those Marines that you're leading. The Marines and, uh, that are the, the Marines that are actually on the ground doing the actual combat, yes. the actual fighting, right? I mean, they should have a hell of a lot of say there and they have none, correct? That's correct. Mm -hmm. And also, I mean, like I was describing this commanding officer who dropped these massive munitions on his own guides. Well, if, if they had any say in his promotion, he wouldn't have been promoted to Colonel, but he's not only been promoted, he's, he's had a Colonel command assignment. Now he's leading, he's the senior Marine at a military Institute. You know, he's currently in circulation on active duty, you know, training, uh, young future military officers of all services. Uh, the Marine Corps, unfortunately, rewards people when they act corruptly like this. And that's, that's a huge problem. So when we promote people just on if, hey, you know, quid pro quo, you, you do this and, you know, we'll take care of you. Uh, the mob does that. Mm -hmm. You know, what happened in this court is akin to what goes on in you know, kangaroo courts like in Tehran or Pyongyang, but not in Camp Lejeune, North Carolina, when, you know, Marine special operators that, you know, were trained and fought their way out of an ambush go in there and, and you're going to, you know, quietly crucify them. And then when they get out, I mean, Congressman Walter Jones, God rest his soul, an awesome man, fought for us for over a, a dozen years to fully exonerate us. And he said, Fred, if this is the last thing I do, I will make sure your men's names are cleared. And that's the last thing he did before he literally died. Wow. Uh, in 2019, you know, the Department of the Navy came out with a 12 page, very definitive, explicit uh, document that acquitted us. But prior to that, Congressman Walter Jones in the 115th Congress had House Resolution 21 that Require it was the purpose of it was to have the comment on the Marine Corps, General Neller at the time, make an official public statement stating that we were not at fault in that ambush. And General Neller sat on it, no action for two years in the 115th Congress. So when I mean, you, your, your own children, Elsa, I mean, could you imagine if they were falsely accused of something heinous and you simply did nothing at all to settle? I mean, that's not in the instinct of a good leader, of a parent, uh, that, those kinds of actions are, have no place in the United States military, let alone those who are overseeing our frontline foot soldiers, the people that are on the front lines that, that don't stand up for them, or worse yet, that are willing to, quote unquote, quote unquote, sacrifice their lives. And 
you know, I was a force recon platoon commander in combat on multiple deployments. I realized that my life and the lives of the Marines that I was in charge of was required on any of those missions, but I'm not going to needlessly sacrifice them like pawns. That is, is immoral. And that's what our leaders, I mean, the, the book doesn't have hearsay and conjecture. A few bad men talks about a few really bad men. And if your readers or your listeners liked the combat action of American Sniper, if they love the courtroom drama of a few good men, this is a twist of both with it accentuated at a higher level. This talks about combat that Force Recon Marines were involved in in Iraq, in the Persian Gulf when we were taking down ships there with Fort, our Force Recon Platoon. It talks about those combat missions in Afghanistan and a trial that will blow their minds. So it's really an awesome read. And Salmana, you know, Elsa, you know my game. I was a Force Recon Marine and Marine Raider. I was a fighter and not a writer. I just learned to walk upright. I, I had Salmana, who's a professional journalist, write this so that it's understandable by all audiences. You, your husband, your everyone that picks us up easily understands. It's not a bunch of jargon, slogans, acronyms. This is something that everyone can easily understand, and they'll be shocked. Um, it really twists because many times in there, you're thinking that just like we thought, you, you feel it like you're in our boots, like we're going to go down. We're going to be in prison the rest of our lives. And it seems inevitable. It seems like there's no way out for these guys. And I don't want to give it all away. Uh, but uh, you'll see what happens in the end. It's, it's very shocking. It's a roller coaster ride. It, it just, it's so incredible. And, and what I have read thus far about your story, of course, not the book yet. That's going to be uh, the big excitement on, on June 7th and it's already on pre-order and I will not be reading it before bed <laughs> as you recommended. Um, but I will, that will be my uh, during the day read for sure. Um, the thing that shines through so much in what I've read about you in our conversation um, is your level of integrity is um it's really special and and it shines through and it's so awe-inspiring your men that that served under you that you led um, they must be so grateful that you are getting this word out the truth out because we all know how the media is uh the media only likes to run with the most sensational they don't like to retract they don't like to share the truth they don't like to apologize and um you know if it were up to them your true story your real story would never get told and you would be left as being considered uh more criminals uh to the court of public opinion if they had any say in it. It must be so gratifying to get this word out about you and your men and what really happened there. Well, at first, when the accusations happened in Afghanistan, you're, you're right, the press, the, the mainstream press, especially written press, all the, the major outlets uh, printed just such sensationalized information. And then the military, this is not a joke. This is in the book. We had this gag order put on us, so we couldn't and make any comments to the press. Our lawyers even were threatened to be disbarred if they said anything to the press. It was called a protective order uh, to protect us. Meanwhile, you had uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, a Marine General at the time, Peter Pace, make comments in a press com 
you know, conference saying this is a nick on our pride that he talked to the Commandant of the Marine Corps, General Conway, who said he was very disappointed in these Marines. This is during an ongoing criminal investigation. So when you're just torn apart, it's expected that the press is going to, you know, they say if it bleeds, it leads. They're looking for these juicy stories. And especially when it's just some little poor baby seal like we were that can't fight back. You know, we have this duct tape across our mouth. We, so it's easy to bludgeon this animal. And that's, that's cowardly. It's, it's sick. It's un-American to, to just put one side of the story out there. Um, but then you're right, Elsa, when, we, when I retired and I went back, uh, some media sources did. Uh, actually, because uh, I talked to the president of the Gannett Media Corporation, I said, hey, I've, I've already spoken with your managing editor before. I sent him a copy of my polygraph. I sent him a copy of the you know, executive summary from the court. Uh, and he still went on and wrote false stories saying that we killed 19 and wounded 50 uh, Afghan civilians. And I showed him incontrovertible proof that it's not. And so they realized this this one media source got caught with their hand in the cookie jar. So they, they wrote a, a very detailed uh, five-part story that uh, took us six months to work together. And that won the President Ford Foundation Award for Excellence in 2016 for covering defense. And uh, it was a very, very good story written by a, a journalist, Andrew Degarmpre. And um, then a few other sources, but the big ones never wrote any retractions or you know anything so this this book uh really lays it out uh and it's you know it's written by a journalist so it's written as though it's fact checked and it's very straightforward so you can't really argue when senior military leaders are making voluntary statements to the press or people this is what they swore under oath uh in their testimony in the courtroom that they thought was protected and now 15 years later, it's unearthed. Uh, so this book really is radioactive for a lot of these senior leaders and uh, they need to stand tall. Uh, you mentioned you know, about like the resilience of uh, fighting when you are given a mission that's much bigger than yourself. This is, this is not some uh, personal project that uh, I don't have you know, enough time to fill my schedule. I, I'm an employee at Tesla, I'm big, I have a lot of work to do. And, uh, but it's, this project is huge and it involves the Department of Defense is the, our nation's largest employer. If you stack Amazon and Walmart together until just recently, the Department of Defense, active duty, reserve, civilian and contractors dwarfed the number two and three combined. So, but Amazon can't put you on bread and water and Walmart can't, imprison you for life. Uh, but the Department of Defense has the uh, legal authority to uh, use those extreme measures and has. And uh, when they do it unjustly, uh, that's, that's where America needs to pay attention. Like, I didn't know this kind of stuff was going on. Uh, no, just like I, I would have and, no idea. I would have no idea. Yeah. I'm so far removed, you know, even even being, you know, married to law enforcement and, you know, uh, Marine and all of those things. I'm still so far removed. And and this story and that things like this actually happen. Um, and this was we're going back uh, 15 years, 10 years, 2007. 
I mean, yes. a blink away, that was a hot minute ago uh, in the grand scheme of things, that it's still happening to good men and women like this is, is mind-blowing. So uh, I'm just so grateful that you had the tenacity to get this story out and make sure that we do know that this is what is happening. Yes. Well, it took a long time because the government was resisting declassifying any of this. So it wasn't uh, that, you know, we were dragging our heels. It, I, I had to, to do it the right way. I had to also have the full manuscript go through the Pentagon's Office of Pre-Publication Security Review. Uh, that took three times as long as it normally does. Uh, they're just dragging their feet through that process. It finally went through. They blamed a lot of it on COVID. And uh, I mean, if you're reading a, a manuscript. I don't know how that violates, uh, you know, social distancing. Uh, right. But I think we've all reached COVID fatigue. Uh, mm -hmm. So it finally made it through there. Uh, thank God. After they delayed for so many years to release what is unclassified information, a lot of that in the press, people would read because some media sources, you know, they see this courtroom testimony that had secret on the top and the bottom with it lined through. That came from, you know, the convening authority that did the trial. It once was classified, but you'll see when you read those articles, if you go into certain media sources like soft rep, um, none of that needed to be classified. It was a gunfight. Uh, so it brings to question, you know, why they did what they did. Uh, and you'll understand at the end of the book that uh, one, just like the other uh, book and movie, A Few Good Men, you know, instead of what Jack Nicholson said, uh, you can handle the truth. Uh, America needs to know what went on. Uh, that type of kangaroo court should never go on. I understand about protecting national security, but uh, what they did was was wrong. They were protecting uh, themselves, really, is what yeah, it came down to. Exactly. They, they were wrong. They knew they were wrong. They knew they lied. And I mean, that's really what it comes down to. And yes. like you said, they weren't protecting anything other than themselves. And, and that is unacceptable. Yes. You know, to have that tainted by, like you said, by a few bad men um, is not okay. And, you know, one of the things that I was thinking early on and hearing about your story was I, I was having a hard time comprehending how you weren't bitter uh, against um the Marines against all of that and listening to you uh, just, it, it, you know, I, I'm understanding now your high, high level of both, you know, intelligence and emotional intelligence to, to be able to separate um, the entity from the few bad, bad players really is, uh, is also a testament to, to you to be able to do that because I, I think someone else would, you know, probably feel just so embittered by the whole experience and, and you've really made something incredible from it. Yeah. Well, thank you for those kind words. And when two things, everyone either has, or eventually will have some type of a crucible moment, something they're going to go through that's larger than themselves, whether it's a professional setback, uh, health, uh, a loved one uh, die or, or leave, or there's going to be some type of traumatic moment. And the advice that I would give is in those moments, you feel like you're alone in the dark valley. I mean, you could have friends try to 
encourage you, but you know, when that's consuming your mind, uh, it's very difficult struggle. And if you try to do it alone, uh, what my strength was and my faith in God, uh, allowed me to be able to understand, uh, what the, really the points of friction and the lowest common denominators were that is causing all this and to, in a way to overcome it. And this was not about, you know, my professional reputation. It was about an organization. We, we all understand the need for a strong national defense, especially now with, uh, they call it great power competition with China and Russia uh, developing, you know, massive forces that can threaten uh, nations that can threaten uh, global commodity prices and our global economics. Well, this our national defense is very important, and it's much bigger than uh, what they did to me. This you read the book, and it's not some case on uh, simple slander here. It's about as we're watching right now what's, what's going on in Russia and Ukraine, uh, the morale of our men and women who answered their country's call and are fighting on the front lines. If you have low morale, I mean, Russia should by all means be able to use that military mass and technology to easily impose their will on a, on a country that's uh, not as equipped. But you see a country like Ukraine, that's their home turf and they're fighting. Uh, they're, they're doing their very best. And so two things, you know, when you're the underdog, you have to believe in something bigger than yourself. And for me, that was my faith in God. And when you're the uh, unjust big dog trying to mess with a scrappy little underdog, um, beware when that dog starts to bite and come after you. It's sometimes it's better to cut your cut your losses and just go away. Uh, and I'm hopefully that the military will understand this will be a lesson that they can learn from, and that they should never, you know, proceed in a manner in a court of law to unjustly that that ruins the morale of the force if they think they're leaders uh in when you read this book elsa at the, the very end i have some recommendations but you'll see that what happened to these few bad men they all got away with it they all got promoted they all got rewarded very well many of these senior leaders are retired four-star generals and are on boards uh in the military defense complex getting paid you know flying in the corporate jet to dc to you know, walk through the halls of the Pentagon because a retired four-star general or admiral don't need uh, to have a, you know, the security protocol that everybody else does. So they get access and they're there to influence and persuade others that are active duty in the Pentagon to acquire programs that are General Dynamics or Lockheed or are selling. So uh, we need to be very aware of uh, what's going on. That's exposed in this book. There's there's always reasons behind why people, what motivated them to do what they did in this book. You, you walk away and like, okay. And, and look at where these, not only does it name names. I was uh, just going to ask you if you name names. So we have some names, people that names. might be shaken in their shoes right now a little yes. bit. And there's not like one center section with the photos as it names names, you know, the, the people's photos are put right there. So as you're reading it, you understand, Oh, that's the guy. And guess what? Those are his quotes. That's mm -hmm. not Fred Galvin. That's not somebody saying it about this individual. That's exactly what they said. So it names names. It shows their faces. It exposes their words. And uh, it's all in one place. And you can't argue with 
when somebody said that themselves, it's not a paraphrase or uh, it's not a, a small blurb or an edit. It's, it's what right. they testified for hours under testimony in many cases. So it's disgusting. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Fred, I have one more question for you. Uh, when are we going to see this on the big screen? <laughs> well, when you read the blurbs, you can go on Amazon.com and um, two, there's, there's three producers uh, with indications of interest, but you need to ask those that uh, have producer behind their names that have written blurbs for this. So I'm not going to ask interested. them. I'm going to tell them to do this because, uh, <laughs> you know, I have to give a tease fun. because the purpose is to get people to read a book and uh, don't wait for the movie. Right. For those listeners that don't like to read, I understand a busy life. You're on the road. You're hustling, bustling. You can get this in audible. So the audiobook version where you can uh, download it and listen to it in your car, on your mobile device. Uh, some people like electronic books. It's wherever books are sold, an audiobook, format, electronic book. You can get it. <laughs> yes, you can get it. Don't wait for years for this to be on the big screen. No, uh, that, that does take a long time. Absolutely. I'll, I will actually be getting both the uh, Audible, the audiobook, and the print book so that I can read when I'm at home and listen when I'm driving. So, you know, okay. that way I don't have to miss a moment if I have to, if I can't be home to read it. <laughs> yes. Well, if your husband uh, is like me and he's a Marine and, uh, you know, like many of us just learn to walk upright, and like to color using crayons, the <laughs> photos are black and white. So you can, if you're, if it amuses yourself, you can color, color in the pictures. <laughs> and it's even a coloring book. I mean, you cover every, <laughs> every thought, every thought of the kids and the Marines. I love it. <laughs> oh, Fred, I cannot thank you enough for uh, coming on the show and, and talking about this. Um, I'm very excited for the release of this book. I'm excited for you uh, to get this word out, get the truth out. Um, and it's it's going to be amazing. June 7th is the official release, correct? And uh, can they yes. pre-order on Amazon right now? Are they able to pre-order? Yes, they can pre-order. That date is correct. June 7th, that's D-Day plus one. Mm-hmm. And they when they pre-order through Amazon, they can, uh, they're not going to be billed until it actually ships. So it doesn't charge them anything now. It just reserves their copy. So I know some have said um, this can, if they reserve a copy, Amazon will ship it to them, but they need to reserve it so that we don't have a, their supply chain. That's just a problem today's day and age, especially with corporate profits. They don't want to overproduce certain things, but if you reserve a copy, you will get a copy. All you're doing is, place holding it. Um, but without that, there can be delays due to print issues. Um, this can easily be oversold. So uh, don't wait to pick it up at a bookstore unless you're the type of person that just likes going to bookstores. But it, if uh, if they want to look at other vendors, it's on uh, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, they can order it through other many other vendors uh, but Outstanding. Uh, they can actually um ju- just for you bookstore lovers since you mentioned that for you bookstore lovers if you insist on getting it from your bookstore go into your bookstore today and tell them to order the book so that they have it for you when yes, it comes out. thank you so yeah no absolutely um i i just i i feel so strongly about this being a a must read book and uh i will i will do what i can to to help get the word out for this because i think it's uh i think it's incredibly important for people to read this. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for your family's sacrifice and thank you. your husband's service. Uh, oh, thank you for your service. Really appreciated. 
I appreciate you. And uh, do you have any appearances or anything coming up? Any book signings coming up in the near future or a, a website they can go to to find if you have any? Uh, they can go to commandoshow.com. Okay. And they can follow me on uh, at, at, at Facebook at, at FC Galvin. Uh, but I don't have any uh, appearances other than uh, many uh, radio and uh, podcast appearances currently. Okay. Terrific. I just want to make sure they can uh, they can find you anyway. Any in a in a moment's notice, they'll be able to find you. <laughs> yeah, some special operators don't want to be found, especially yeah. if you're accused of war crimes. So. Yes, yes. I I think there are uh, I think there are a few bad men who are going to be on that list that don't want to be found pretty soon. And yes. uh, I hope they are shaken in their shoes. Definitely. They um, know what they do. Yeah. Uh, guys, this has been Fred Galvin. He's the author of A Few Bad Men. It comes out on June 7th. Get your pre-order in right now so you get your copy as soon as possible. Fred, thank you again, and we will see you guys next week. Take care. Thank you.